0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 236. I'm just too dumb to give up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power, Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Lance Stander. Lance, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh yeah, started up and ready to go. All right, great to have you here. Lance Stander has been in the automotive industry for over 37 years. He opened Hillbank Motor Corporation, located in Costa Mesa, California, in 1999. After years in South Africa, where he worked with his father, Hillbank specializes in building the Superformance Cobra, Shelby Daytonas, and GT40 cars. And then in 2005, Lance purchased Superformance and he's the worldwide distributor for all superformance-built cars. He's also the builder and distributor for Shelby's continuation 60s Cobras, and he's the only licensed company by Shelby to build the Cobra Mark III. Lance, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment, share a little bit more about your history, your business, and, of course, your passion for really cool automobiles?
1: Well... The background is naturally she started off with my dad. Um, I was probably four or five years old when my, my mother used to drop me off at my dad's showroom and I would be there. And all through the years, I grew up riding motorcycles in the backyards of the different dealerships my father worked at. So I really have a, a you know, start in cars and uh, only new cars I had. The most fun I ever had was hanging out with my dad at racetracks and, and at car events all, all around South Africa. We progressed and i eventually had to go to the army like all south african men have to do back then when we were in south africa spent my two years came out the army and then uh, joined my dad again and uh, it was it was really tough because just before i'd gone in the army he decided i had to go work for a boss first to get a bit of time under my belt mm-hmm. and uh after six months with uh with a boss the army said no you got to come in now you can't you have to you have to do your two year, you can't postpone any longer. Mm-hmm. But when two years later I joined my dad and he gives me one third the salary that I was earning. <laughs> uh oh. So that was the difference. But uh, you know, we worked our way up. And my father was in high end uh, sports cars and retail of that type car. We had a little showroom up in Hillbrow. Um started up on the hill next to the bank and my dad called it Hill Hillbank. Like, <laughs> Very hey, cool. That name's been with us thirty seven odd years. Wow. Um I soon after being there a little while, my father had a lot of connections and very well connected man knew a lot of people and he just not never used his connections as well as he really could. And I realized there was a big business starting that was going to happen. And that was, we were going to change a lot in South Africa. They had started stealing cars a hell of a lot in South Africa. And um, the, the, the insurance companies and the police weren't even prepared and, to get these cars back. And they were getting them recovered and ending up in police pounds all over South Africa. Uh, South Africa had at that stage many separate areas that were controlled by black governments. And um, these areas, when they got the cars in there, they didn't want to release them and they wanted to keep them. And so it, we developed a system to recover these vehicles in conjunction with the police in South Africa and bring the cars back, have them identified by the owners, and then uh, repair or, and resell for the insurance companies or return to the owner. And, mm-hmm. and it soon grew. When I looked again, um, I had 13 branches and about 300 employees. Wow. And it was, it, was, uh, it was an unbelievable business. Unfortunately, I had a little bad luck. At uh, 58, my father had a heart attack and died. Oh, and um, that affected me pretty badly because my challenge was always to build something bigger than my dad, and i had got that right mm-hmm. and, uh, The challenge to be in South Africa was gone, and I just he always wanted to live in America. He traveled to America at least once a year for twenty plus years, and um, My wife and I had started coming to America once or twice a year, also for the ten years before we came to america and um, so I knew that's what I wanted to do, and, and when this happened, it just something just turned off. I'm just a crazy guy, and I, I <laughs> said, you know, I'm done. I'm going. Yeah. I gave a partner of mine that had a 25% share in one of my branches. I gave him a 25% share in the whole company and left. Three months later, we were in America, arrived, five suitcases, three kids, and a wife. Wow! And we started off in North Carolina, and that's where we We were going to buy a salvage company. Uh, the salvage company, long story short, I had arrived in America with not the correct paperwork. I thought I was a businessman and I could just come into America and start a business. Yeah. Only then finding out that you have to do your immigration paperwork properly and not just a, an L1, which is what we had come over on. and. Um many, many years of struggles and stripes with um, immigration. It was a very, very tough battle. Yes. We actually got rejected three times and turned down and said to go back to South Africa. Oh, my gosh. And the, one, the one interview, I said to the guy, I own a commercial property. I own my house here. I have a business with staff. She says, you can employ a manager and go back.
0: Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'm sure talking about the immigration issues in this country could be a whole nother story, but I don't even want to get into that. But but the
1: good news. The good news is that um, as of the 22nd of this month, I will be sworn in as an American citizen.
0: Hey, welcome to America. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was a tough battle. It's a long, you know, many, many thousands of dollars spent with lawyers. But I'm very, very proud and very proud to be an American. Well,
0: great to have you here. (laughs) That's fantastic. Amazing story in so many ways. And I love so many aspects of it. We're going to talk more as we move along about this great adventure and how you got into uh, superformance and all that. But as we continue, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. And this is one of those things that's been instrumental in your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Lance, I know you love to drive. Take the wheel.
1: Okay. Uh, You know, I always... A couple of things I've said because we've been up and down this this roller coaster. and, And one of the things I would say is... I'm just too dumb to give up. And, and, uh, you know, just don't understand the word can't. There's always a solution to every situation. It might not be that day, but it will come. And you'll look back on something that you thought was an impossible hurdle to to cross. And we've had a couple of those. And you say, oh, that was no big deal. And uh, so... (laughs) I'd say too dumb to give up, and there's no such thing as can't.
0: Well, I love that saying, and I think some of the stories you've already shared about your struggles to become a citizen here and come into this country and start a business, the American dream, if you will, and be successful as you have, I'm sure, all those hurdles you've overcome with. But I love that aspect that, you know what, a door shuts, you open one somewhere else. I think it's fantastic. It's a testament to... uh to your abilities and your talents and your drive. You talked about growing up in a car family, but is there one pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? And you know, that question I also thought about. And, and
1: as I said, I started off in cars with my dad 24 hours, you know, whenever I could be with him since age five years old. So I would say it started really, really early. I've, I've always had a passion for cars and and everything to do with them. There's very few ugly cars in my mind. Well, there are a couple, but when I look back at the cars, I can like anything from a Datsun to a, a Ferrari or a Delahaye. You know, they, they just, there's something nice about every car that I see and a little, little thing about them. And, and so there's not a, the exact moment. It would probably be when I was really, really young and I don't remember clearly.
0: It sounds like uh, oil runs in your veins <laughs> from the yeah. family you're coming with. I always say, If it rolls on rubber, there's something about it that I like or I love. So,
1: I always have friends that try and get me involved in sports, and I always tell them a sport is not a sport unless it has wheels on.
0: (laughs) Great. I love that. What I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven on. You talked about all these many challenges you've faced, so I would assume there's probably a lot to choose from for this question, but I'd love for you to share with the Cars Yeah! audience a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced throughout the years, but the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome it, and of course, what did you learn from it
1: Well, as I'd said earlier, the too dumb to give up um has worked for me um you know, I would say failures. Close to failures, but I've managed to solve every problem when it has come. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one would be, you know, getting rejected for our American green card originally, and and that was that was a, you know. To, to have to go home to your wife again and say the lawyer said no and the kids are in school and the kids, already, the kids have already developed their American accents, they don't sound like me anymore and, and then to say no we, we have to pack up and go back and well I never ever said that of course I just knew I was never going to do that. So then the, the successes from that would be every, every time we got an extension I mean the celebrations after the extension we knew it was for a year and sometimes it was for two years and we would just be so excited and say okay well we'll face it again and and getting the same rejection in two years again and then fighting it again and you know i, I got to thank an amazing uh young girl that i've just forgotten her name now the immigration law law company she really worked hard when everybody said sat in office and said to my wife you guys have got to go back there's no way you're going to get this right they have turned you down and um, i would just okay let's look at another angle and get another lawyer in you get somebody else and uh, we just kept doing that and um so that that was what my biggest triumph. And then, of course, when all of a sudden it came in the mail, well, not all of a sudden, when I applied for the final step, the, yes. the, the American citizenship. And next thing I think came in the mail, your interview's been granted. Wow. The feeling when you go to that interview, you know, your the hair stands up on your arms. You're so excited. And the lady gave me quite a run. She had quite a lot of questions and really wanted to know. I think she was really good. And believe it or not, she was actually born originally in um, North Africa. Oh. Uh, it, uh, she looked. She, I would imagine she's Italian, but she was born in North Africa and, and also came to America, and her whole story. But um, yeah, when she said, you approved, you your next step is the swearing. And wow. That was just a, you know, I still get, my hair still stands up. Still
0: oh, have... yeah, mine too. This is such a wonderful story. And just want to add one thing yes. to that.
1: You know, the first time I arrived in America back in 99, I would ended up in 2000 at the Daytona race. And it was the first time I was in the grandstands. And next thing, everybody stood up. And I thought, okay. And they sang the national anthem. Mm. And, you know, what a wonderful feeling, you know, with what had happened in South Africa. And we'd lost – Country pride, you know that that feeling, yes. and um, to to be in that grandstand, American Idol, and I said one day I want that, I want that, I want that that every American gets, and thank God I can get it now.
0: Well, it's just an absolutely spectacular story, and I hope people out there are listening and will share this with those that don't appreciate being an American citizen and all the opportunities that we have here to make your own way in life. It really is still a beacon of dream for so many people around the world, and I'm so happy that you're here. It's fantastic. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share a story with me? It's one of those aha moments when the headlights come on and they illuminate your way for a new idea or a direction that you had in a business and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success.
1: Well, it's, I haven't had an instant turnaround in something, you know, I'd say a, a, a wonderful moment was, you know, Starting off with Hillbank, and just to correct you on one of the things you'd mentioned, Hillbank is a retailer of of Shelby and Superformance products and other highline sports cars. Superformance is the actual company behind the building of the Superformance Cobras. Okay, South- okay, Earth, great. Yeah, Superformance is the distribution company. Well, I was just that Hillbank uh, dealer selling Superformance cars for the first uh, eight years, approximately. But I'd got the offer, the, the owner that owns Superformance was high tech, the factory in South Africa, uh, Jim Price. And he came to me with this out of the out of the blue. We didn't expect it. He said, I'm thinking of selling Superformance, the the distribution, and all that in the company. And I thought, okay. And he threw this crazy number out and and, and I thought, wow. And when he started crunching numbers, then he decided to up the number and say, I'll sell the tooling and everything to do with superformance, super uh, intellectual property rights, the whole lot, the whole bunch. I will just be your manufacturer, your factory, your builder for the cars. And that put a big number on top of it. Yeah. And uh, something just, you know, we sat down, did the numbers and said, you know what, this is. I've always been a person that never had a job where the salary was important. It's not the salary; it's what you can earn. It's commission. Mm-hmm. I've always said, if a salesman walks in and says, uh, "How much is the base?" then I don't want that salesman. I want the salesman who walks in and says, "How much is the commission?" Yes, because then I know he makes them. And so I, I realized this: if we did volume, and we, this would change Hillbank, and owning Superformance performance would take us to another level. And of course, it, it did. You know, in '05, when we bought it, it. it we had a very good year towards the end. We only got at the end of, but '06 we um, did six times the turnover we had done
0: in Hillbank. Oh, wow. Wow. Amazing. Wonderful entre- entrepreneurial moment, and uh, I think that's great. I assume you've had many proud moments in your business career, but is there one in particular that really stands out for you? You know, there are a lot, but there's one in particular, and, and mm-hmm. this
1: doesn't even make sense that I would be this little... African from South Africa that ended up in America, and then got into a partnership with Carol Shelby. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, he's an he's an absolute absolute automobile legend. He's the, in my, the the Elvis Presley of, of <laughs> yes. The car guys, you know, he's just the top of you can get, and um, you know, we had a tough time with him in the beginning. We'd been in a lawsuit with Shelby for four years, but we had that all settled and that was all behind us. And then we sat down and negotiated a deal, and we, of course, licensed the Superformance Performance Mark III, it was the only and still is the only licensed um Shelby replica. Uh, on the road, and then the next step was we, we negotiated a deal to build the original Shelby Cobras for Carroll in the, the CSX 4000s, uh, then to become the 6000 and the 7000 and the 8000 series cars. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was just amazing sitting in meetings. You know, at the time he was 82, 83, somewhere around there, and um, he was so clear and 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 it just blew me on my mind how how much this guy knew about the industry to what's going on right now. You know, he was he was up to date. He was not a guy who lived in the past. Yeah. You know, he, he knew the past and he could give you the most unbelievable stories from the past and very interesting and 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 you'd never get bored in that. There's lots <laughs> of speakers bad. that you sit and they think, oh God, will this guy finish? It was never the case with Carol. There were unbelievable stories over the years. But I would say the, the, the moment that I knew I was building cars for Carol Shelby um and and the the height of that would have been when I built the Shelby Daytona coupe for him and then he took me for a drive and at the time his eyesight was not that good. And um he said, Look, I don't see that well, but I'll we'll be good. And he you know, he got on it, flawed it immediately and straight away it was sideways, but you could see he knew how to drive a car. He lifted within a second, grabbed the next gear, it straightened up sideways again down the road, and he did that until third gear and then in Gardena and then turned around and came back and I said <laughs> you know at 80 something <laughs> i wish i can drive anywhere near as well as he drove and yeah. uh, that was i would say that's the, the highlight if that's... anybody you could be the pope i would say to meet carol shelby and and do business with carol shelby was the
0: highlight <laughs> it sounds like a absolutely fantastic moment and on your show notes page on the carja yeah! website is a great picture of you and i believe it's your son with carol shelby so Yes. What a wonderful story! And get to get to go for a ride with him and have him drive—that must have been just amazing. What fun! Yeah.
1: yeah, one of the things I said, you know, if we do, if we do have an accident today, what a story! Would that, I mean, <laughs> I would be lying there. Hopefully I made it, I was bad enough to be in a hospital bed, but I really want to say I was in an accident with Car Shelby, but that was never going to happen. The guy no, is no. a really good driver.
0: Yes, so. absolutely. What fun. Hey, let's have a little more fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you have with that vehicle. You know, it w- it would probably be
1: my first Porsche, and I was not a Porsche fan at all. I I loved Alfa Romeos. I, I started off a little Datsun truck that my dad bought me for seventy rand, which is like seventy dollars, and rebuilt it over the years. And I went to the army in this little it was a Datsun Sunny, and I I still own it. It's lying in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, You know, I'd gone through the Alphas. I had about seven Alpha Spiders, and then I had um, uh, regular Alpha Bellinas and all that. And uh, went on to Lancia, and I had a Lancia Beta Spider. Unbelievable car. Handle. Amazing car. And uh, when I sold that, I said, what are we going to get now? She said, you know, you've got to get a Porsche. I said, no, man, I don't want no VW with a fancy badge on (laughs) And that was my – and she said, let's just try one, you know. And I must admit, she spoke me into it, Mm -hmm. and this this 911 arrived, and – Anyhow, I, I took one look at it and fell in love with the car and drove that car for many years. But the one that that was my my best car, uh, I ended up with a and I'm I'm blank. It was a '74 or '75, but it was a mechanical injection Carrera. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wow! That was the engine. That was the engine that came from the the famous one, the '73 yes. mechanical injection Carrera. Yeah, and they built only 197 Targas. Anyhow, I arrived at an auction that was selling repossessed cars, and this, this friend of mine said, "There's a Porsche in the back corner. Nobody wants to touch it. Go and have a look at it. It doesn't run." So I went in the back, fiddled with it, got it started, and it, it was was in bad. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I wasn't knowledgeable about Porsches there that much. I, my, my previous one was a two point two liter S. Mm. And uh, so I got it running and I drove it to the local Porsche workshop The old guy, Eddie Paladin, had worked on my Porsches all along And I said, Eddie, what is this car? The engine looks weird It's got these weird-looking carburetors on it Or uh, is this injection? What is this? He says, that's a mechanical injection career. He says, buy it now. Mm. Anyhow, I bought it. I proceeded to own it for 10 years. It was the most fun ever, but something happened and somebody offered me a crazy price on the car, yes. <laughs> which is nothing in today's terms. Yeah. Um, and I sold it. And that car, I have very, very fond, unbelievable memories of that mechanical injection career. I don't it was a great, great car. It's very exciting to drive. And yes. To, I it a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. They're great. In our pre-show chat, I mentioned to you my first Porsche 911 was a 74. So I uh, love those cars. They're great. I've had many since then. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you could have back in the garage?
1: It would be that Porsche. That car. Do anything to have that car. 2.7, mechanical injection career. I can't stop saying it because it upsets me. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> well, how about – here's a, a funny question for you that one of my uh, recent guests suggested I ask – is there a vehicle that you bought and soon after you said, what was I thinking?
1: Uh, it would probably be that car. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> same uh, car fits all yeah, molds. same car. And I've had a lot of Porsches. You know, right down to just before I left South Africa in 98, I had a 97 a twin turbo. I mean, you don't get the most amazing car, still the last of the air-cooled, oh, air-cooled yeah. Um, cars. Yeah. But it was too perfect. It was all-wheel drive. It was just too perfect. It did everything. You couldn't get into trouble. Well, you could, but the car drove so well. And as I always said, it didn't give me the same scary excitement that the the mechanical injection Carrera did with half the horsepower that my twin turbo had, less than half the horsepower.
0: There you go. Uh, Truer words were never spoken by a true car guy. How about current projects? Is there something you guys are working on there right now that really has you excited and fired up?
1: Oh, yeah. We've always got a good couple of projects, but I would say the project that, that's very exciting. Now, I sell Superformance was always Ford-based and Shelby-based um, cars. Well, I have always been a Chevy fan also, and it was very hard to keep that hidden in amongst all the Ford people. Mm-hmm. But I always have. And, of course, the, the, the ultimate there would be, for me, the 63 Corvette Grand Sport. If you know a little bit about them. There were only ever five originals. Yep. Um, and uh, August Dantoff project, it's just the most matter. Well, in about 2002, I started, um, you know, fiddling with the idea. I bought a replica that somebody had built in in the U.S., and I messed with the idea, and I started approaching people to try and get me into GM. And uh, it was just doors closed. They would, you know, cease and desist, forget about it. You can't. Superformance will never be allowed to do that. And uh, I carried on. You know, every year or every couple of months, every year, I would, you know, try somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Well, eventually – in uh I I'm i remember now exactly what it was about approximately ninety eight somewhere around there i, I got the, the meeting with the m i and the project was long story short was approved but right at the time it got approved, there was stories of GM going bankrupt and um, they, they wanted this massive check to come straight away and license fees and all the rest of that and in Everything was tough. So we had to hold back, and we eventually got the project done. And the first Grand Sports are now in the country. Um, I have two already here. The, the rest are coming. We got a lovely order book for the Corvette Grand Sport, got doing some business with Ken Lingenfelder and, and it's just been very exciting to deal with the Corvette guys. They are a whole different group of guys from the Ford and the Cobra guys. And it's been a very exciting project. We're really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I had uh, Steve Wood from Panavia on the show who mentioned the same thing, who builds similar cars and putting those in them. And I have a good friend up here in the Northwest, Tom, who had a real grand sport, used to race the car. And I got to spend a whole day photographing that car. And uh, wow, what a machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
1: the number two car, number three, well, number two on it, but number three build. Yes, Is that yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 that's the car. So yeah, Tom's a... Awesome guy. He's got a a real GT40, and and he and his wife Susan drive uh, amazing uh, Chevrolet, high-performance vintage race cars, and uh, he's also got some beautiful collector cars as well. Really nice people. All car people are. (laughs) Yes, I think you're right. Absolutely. Okay, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? And you
1: know... And naturally, I've been thinking this and tossing it around, and, and, and you know, that should say it would be a Cobra or it would be a GT40. But there's one car that I've never owned, and it just stays out there in my mind that I'd lift. You no, know, oh, maybe that's a car you should own, not a car I would want to be. <laughs> uh, it would be a car I want to be, I'd want to be the GT40. If you uh. think of the achievements of the GT40 against the talent. They went up against the might of Ferrari. Now, you know, with Ford's money, there's a lot of might there, but it was still a hell of a car to beat at being the, the the you know the winner for so many years. So I would say the GT forty had overcame many, many challenges to um win Lamar three years in a row.
0: Oh, amazing story. And you know, I think it's a great choice for you because you talk about that perseverance, that tenacity to win open every door too dumb to lose <laughs> you know just okay we're going to go out and beat these guys we're going to do whatever it takes and um it seemed like an insurmountable task but they did it which is great so lance up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal here's a word from the car's yes sponsor Carpe VM. Seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find The Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kid's book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves The Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand where you can find his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E, Gear.com. All right, Lance, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yeah, we're ready, guys. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Okay. The best
1: automotive advice, and it's very hard for a car guy to to do this. And my father always said, when, you, you, when you're buying for your pleasure, you, you buy with your heart. But when you're buying for business and for resale, you buy with your head. So if the car appeals to your heart and it's it's being bought for resale, don't buy it. It <laughs> appeal to your head and make sense.
0: Great advice your father shared with you there. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success?
1: I would say it's not a habit as such. I can get away with very little sleep. And it's so, you know, I learned all about time zones once I came to America, that we've got these time zones. Mm -hmm. And the people back east drive me nuts because they're up three hours before me. And they're (laughs) out there making money before I can. So lucky enough, I've always been one that's – well. They never had to sleep a lot. So I'm usually up from four in the morning so I can get some of that money before the guys in the East take it all.
0: Oh, goodness. You know, I I envy you. And one of my previous guests who we both uh, admire, Bruce Meyer, uh, said the same thing. He's able to uh, get by on less sleep and he always looks at sleep as just this big waste of time. And when Don Garlitz was on the show, he shared a funny thing his father told him. He said, uh, you'll have plenty of time to sleep when you're dead.
1: And (laughs) you know, that is so true. I keep saying to my kids, because they love sleeping, I say, if the sun's up, I want to be up. And I want to be up before the sun. I want to watch it coming up. I, you know, yeah. love that. So, And my previously having to deal with South Africa being nine hours ahead of us, I was working with them until 12, one in the morning. Oh, yeah. And then I'd have two, three hours sleep, and I'd be up to, so I could deal with the East Coast. Oh, gosh. Lucky enough, I don't have to do that this afternoon. Well, yeah.
0: you're fortunate. I wish I could... Uh... Design that into my body for some reason, I haven't quite figured it out. I need at least seven hours or uh, I don't function very well, so
1: very seldom do I do seven hours.
0: Wow, well, very fortunate. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think would be real enjoyable for them
1: well i'd I'd recommend taking a look at what's going on on superformance dot com and Hillbank usa.com you know there's always stories of what we do and and our cars and what's happening in the business and in the industry superformance is also linked to very interesting sites like scoff superformance car owners forum and um there's a wealth of information in all those parts and i I find myself going there every now and then just to see what the other owners are doing we have a very large forum thousands of owners on the forum great bunch of guys and uh, i love to read their stories and See what all is going on with him.
0: Oh, great. Fantastic. How about a book? Is there one in particular that you've read that you think the Karsia audience would enjoy?
1: The, this is a strange thing. I'm really just a car magazine guy. I, okay. I have not read too many books. I have a selection of books second to none um, because I buy anything to do with racing, Bob Bonarant's book, uh, Peter Brock's book, um, the Ford, the, the Pete Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I have all those books, and, I, and I've read sections of them for the information out of them. But if I tell you what I pick up almost every day, um, just to have a squint it's, at it's my auto week. I, I love auto week.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, uh, me too.
1: I preferred it when it was weekly because there was a nice new one every week, but I understand print has really suffered. And, um, but, uh, and naturally, Keith Crane, uh, amazing man. He actually owns, I believe he still owns two or three super performances: a Daytona, a Cobra, and I'm, I don't believe he's got a GT40, but I'd, I know he's a big man, and I always wondered how he fitted in our Daytona. <laughs>
0: yeah, <So>. shoehorn, shoehorn. <laughs> yeah, Auto Week's great. I'd love to get Keith on the show and uh, I enjoyed I've been a subscriber for forever can't even think of when I didn't get that publication so great choice I too uh, love magazines I have over 40 subscriptions I get every month so yeah. my nightstand next to my bed is stacked high my wife rolls her eyes and yeah. <laughs> you know
1: and I would actually also add, you know add the DuPont and um that yeah, DuPont yeah They're yes great oh magazines. yeah
0: another great one fantastic yeah. well you can find links to all these resources at com slash slash lance stander and lance's last name is spelled s-t-a-n-d-e-r all right lance we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a real doozy i know this is going to be a hard one for you because we talked about this in our pre-show chat if you could have only one collector car in your garage but don't worry about the cost i'm going to write the check for that today what would that one vehicle be and more importantly why
1: Okay, it would be a car that my
0: dad owned and sold, and uh,
1: sold only because we needed the money originally back in seventy-eight, seventy-nine for Hillbank, and it was a Aston Martin DB5 Superleggera convertible.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And- I have an amazing story about the car, and I know we don't have time for that, and how my, we ended up with that car in South Africa. It was the only one in South Africa. But an unbelievable story. He did sell it, and uh, it's just, I have fond memories. I was a young kid driving around with him in that car, and it was just an amazing car.
0: Wow, it sounds fantastic. Is there any way you could give us a little bit of a condensed story? Because now you've perked my interest on the story behind this vehicle.
1: Well, what happened here was, my dad got called up. He was an MG and an Austin Healey co- uh, collector and builder, and he loved those cars, knew nothing about Aston Martin. The guy called him up and said, there's an, a car, an a- MG or a Healey standing in the garage. The guy's father died. He wants to sell it. We went over, My dad went over there. I was very young. I didn't go. He went over there, took a look, said, what the hell is this, and looked at it more and more. It's, it's, and this was in the early 70s. It's an Aston Martin. He said to the guy, look, I'm not interested. I buy MG's or Austin Healey's. The guy said, look, I've got to get it out of my garage. I have no interest in cars. So, my father made him a stupid offer, less than you would pay for an MG, and he bought the car. He then um, got the car running, found out a a bit of history, ended up in the UK. He got a a decent offer on the car, and he sold it. And he went to England, and he was in the Aston Martin factory, a showroom, and he told a guy he owned this car and. He gave him this, the, the, the guy said, rubbish. He did not own a DB5 Super convertible. Conville. No way. So anyhow, got back to South Africa, took the numbers off the car, called the guy, and it turned out it was a real car. The car had been sold to a Rolls-Royce engineer that worked in the aircraft factory, and when he retired, he brought the car to South Africa and, and restored it and had it for many years. Long story short, my dad went back to the guy we sold it to, offered him three times as much, and got to buy it back. And we had the car for many, many years, but then we sold it for about 10 times that, and yeah. it now lives in Switzerland. Oh goodness. I'm still, I'm still in contact with the owner speaking on <laughs> him.
0: Well, maybe someday you'll get that car back, but uh what a wonderful story. I love that. Thanks for sharing that with us. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Um,
1: best way would be to go on the web. Uh, if you search Superformance or Hillbank USA, uh, you'll get all the information you want. We've got those websites. We also have a GT40 website, Superformance GT40. Um, but the links to all those websites is just a numerous videos on our cars and, and, and our upcoming projects and stuff on the all on the web. You can search Superformance or Hillbank USA or my own name.
0: Fantastic. Well, Lance, you've taken me on a great ride today and I knew you would and I've so enjoyed your stories. I look forward to seeing you at the La Jolla Concours this weekend as well. It would be great to connect with you down there. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your dad's Aston Martin DB5?
1: Well, I'm going to use somebody's quote that I actually heard the other day. I read the other day, and, and, and sort of, And this is from Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, he, he oh, obviously yeah, had, yeah. Some, <laughs> he had some challenges. And he says you will not be successful unless you break the rules, but you must never break the law.
0: Great guy. I've seen some great videos with him. Uh, He was on another podcast not too long ago where he shared some stories I didn't know about him. So, uh, yes, a man who's overcome many, many obstacles coming from another country like yourself into the U.S. and, of course, has become an icon in so many ways. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything Lance has shared with us today at carsyad.com. Just put Lance in the search box. And his show notes page will pop right up. Check out his site. Check out his cars. And uh, I think you'll be very impressed. Lance, thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise today and for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. I had a great time with you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah!